Welcome to the latest podcast from Greyfriars Church in Reading. Our vision is to see Reading transformed by the love and power of Jesus. You can find out more on our website, greyfriars.org.uk. Enjoy. Well, good morning, Greyfriars. It's wonderful to be able to gather again online to uh, look at God's Word and to dive one last time in this series into this incredible letter from James. Uh, Do keep your Bibles open in front of you. Those are going to be really helpful uh, as we go on this morning. Uh, And as we begin, can I pray for us? So let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, we want to thank you for your word. God, thank you that it is a light for our path. God, thank you that you use it to speak truth to us, to call us into Christ-likeness, to point us towards our Saviour. And God, I pray that by your spirit at work, in your words, in me, in each one of us this morning, we would be transformed by what we see here to live and to be more like Jesus. And we ask this in his name. Amen. Amen. I was wondering if I could begin this morning uh, with a moment of real honesty with you all because we're finishing as we just said uh, this series in the book of James in which we've been thinking about how we can live uh, more Christ-like lives when we find ourselves under pressure in times of strain and stress like we surely find ourselves in at the moment and James is bringing uh, this this brilliant letter to a close with a call to us to be people of prayer. And my kind of honest moment is this, is to tell you uh, as we start off, just to lay it out on the table as we begin, that I find prayer really challenging. Prayer is not an area of my Christian life in which I would say uh, I'm standing in strength and victory and confidence and certainty, Uh, but it's for me what feels like an area of real weakness. And don't get me wrong, I I do pray. I think it's important for you to know that uh, your pastors are people of of prayer and I try to be. I'm on board with the idea of prayer and and, and I try to pray regularly. But if I'm honest, it's a practice that doesn't come easily to me. There are many aspects of it that I find strange and uncomfortable. And I often find myself approaching prayer with a certain amount of uncertainty and sometimes even shame. I want it to be a a bigger part of my walk with Jesus and I'm trying to do what I can to get closer to where I want to be, but I find it hard. I find it doesn't come naturally and and I just wonder if uh, some of you who are joining this morning can relate somewhat to that experience. Well it seems to me that James could relate. James understood that lots of us might feel this way and so in this kind of final exhortation in this incredible book, we we see James gets into the nitty-gritty of prayer. James calls us and invites us into a life of increasing reliance upon and trust in the power of prayer. And so what we're going to see in these verses as we dive in 
is James's answer to some of the fundamental questions that we might be asking, that, that I find myself asking. You now, what is prayer for? Why should we bother? And what should I expect to happen when I pray? And so, as we come to the end of this letter, and we see some of the answer to these questions of how we should live faithfully in challenging times, I hope that this morning we will all learn from the wisdom of James. Because what we'll see is that God miraculously and lovingly uses even our failing and simple prayers to cause the future of his coming kingdom to burst out into our present world. We'll see that prayer is powerful because our God is powerful and so the invitation to us is to join in with what God is doing and what God wants to do. So let's get to it and let's begin uh, in those first couple of verses, verses 13 and 14. Do keep those, as I said, open in front of you. Because in these verses, what we see is that James has a, has a big, all-encompassing vision uh, that he's speaking into here. He's speaking into every situation that a Christian could find themselves facing. All of our worst moments, our internal and external struggles and troubles and pressures and setbacks and illnesses and attacks. And he's speaking into all of our worst moments and he's speaking into all of our best moments when everything's going exactly as we want it to and we're flying high and it's into every situation that James' call to the Christian is the same talk to God, to pray and to praise. James says that we're to do it whenever we can stir our hearts and our wills to do so. And we're to do it even when we're too weak. We're to do it by going to our brothers and sisters in the church and asking them to pray with us and for us. Wherever we are, James says the right response is to pray. For James, the prescription for what ails us is always prayer. Celebration, mourning, struggles, when we need guidance, whatever it is, we can take it to God in prayer. And you know, this instruction is entirely consistent with what we see in the life of Jesus and in, in the lives of his earliest followers. Because Jesus was always retreating, wasn't he? If you've read the Gospels, you'll know he was always retreating away for time to pray. Or he was turning to prayer in the midst of difficult situations to ask God to be at work. And the early church was, was the same. It was always wrestling with its challenges and its debates and its friction in prayer together. And if they encountered a need, part of their response would be to turn to God in prayer. Jesus and the people who want to live like Jesus are people who pray. So says James, so we see throughout the New Testament, Christians are fundamentally at our core, part of our DNA, when we put our faith and trust in Jesus, is that we are a praying people. But why? 
Why is this practice so important? Well, James has an answer and it seems to be that he thinks we should care so much about it because prayer works. Let's look together the next few verses, verses 15 and 16. Read it with me. It says, And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Jesus, uh, James and Jesus, but here James says that the prayers of the Christian are powerful and effective. When we go to God and ask him to heal, healing is released in the world. When we go to God and, and ask him to forgive us or to forgive others, forgiveness bursts forth in our broken world. And now, of course, James in those few verses isn't giving us an exhaustive list of what we should pray for. Prayer isn't just about healing and forgiveness. And we know that, you know, as we look throughout, you know, even some of the most famous teachings, the Lord's Prayer, for example, you know, we know we pray for thanks. We pray our requests for the future. We pray for for, for provision, we, we pray out our worship and we do lots, lots more. Prayer is a, is a whole language, a whole uh, uh, cookbook uh, of options that we can choose from when it comes to speaking to God. But James in these verses is focusing on these two areas. Now he's focusing on healing and forgiveness and I think that's intentional. I think he's doing something important with that. Because James knows the power of prayer. He knows that prayer is powerful because, because the God to whom we pray is powerful. And God in his loving kindness towards us chooses to respond when his people cry out to him. If you're looking for a secret to prayer, why it, it, it works, what kind of maybe this, the special words are, that's the wrong direction to look. Prayer works because God is at work. God loves us and he responds out of his mercy towards us, out of his desire for us to rule and reign with him as his sons and daughters. God has decided God has ordained that when you and I pray to him, he will use those prayers to bring about his future kingdom in our present reality, in our present world. Or as Jesus put it in the Lord's Prayer, he will make it on earth as it is in heaven. That's what God does when we pray. That, that's what God has chosen to do. The theologian Dallas Willard puts it like this. I love this. He says, God's response to our prayers is not a charade. He does not pretend that he is answering our prayer when he is only doing what he was going to do anyway. Our, re our requests really do make a difference in what God does or does not do. Our prayers matter. Our prayers work. God listens he responds 
Our prayers have power because our God has power. And therefore, you and I, as people of prayer, have a profound responsibility. And so James is focusing in these verses on these two specific areas because they're perhaps in our broken and fallen world, two areas where our powerful prayers are perhaps most significantly needed. Let's take forgiveness as one of the examples that he uses. Now we find ourselves, don't we, living in a time and a place and a, a culture uh, that is that is caught in the snare, I want to suggest, of, of cancel culture. You know, we see it all around us. We live in a world where a single mistake or, or a single mistoke, uh, misspoken word can result in you being rejected and vilified without any hope of return to the, to the culture that has rejected you. And please don't hear me wrong if, as I said that, someone who uh, was judged by culture for something awful that they did, if that came into your mind, I'm not, I'm not trying to justify when people get things wrong. Our world cares about justice and that's good. Justice is a godly thing. Uh, people should be held accountable for the mistakes that they make, but the problem is that our world lacks a pathway to redemption. It lacks a way back to wholeness through forgiveness when things go wrong. And that's something that, that God offers through the church and through the church at prayer, a pathway to forgiveness. And so that's why James focuses on that here, on the power of our forgiveness released by prayer. You know, one of my favourite examples of this uh, is the story of Corey Ten Boom, which some of you may know. Corey Ten Boom was a, a, a Christian uh, who lived during World War II, and, and during that time she hid uh, Jews from the Nazis. And, and she eventually got caught for doing this and was taken to Ravensbrück concentration camp, uh, where her father and her sister died, uh, and she was terribly mistreated. She survived and, and years later she was speaking at a German church about the importance of forgiveness. And when afterwards a man kind of pushed his way forward to meet her. And it was a man that Ten Boom recognised as one of the most vicious and cruel guards who had been at Ravensbrück. And this guard came to her and told Ten Boom that he had found Jesus. And he had received his forgiveness for the terrible things that he had done. And he was now coming to her as a victim that he didn't recognise. She recognised him, but as a victim that he didn't recognise, but who could offer him forgiveness. And Corrie ten Boom tells the story that she just couldn't do it. You know, all she felt in her heart was anger and coldness. And so she prayed. And she prayed and asked God to help her to forgive, just as she had been forgiven, to overcome her hatred with God's love. And as she prayed, she experienced freedom from God 
and was enabled to forgive. Forgiveness was released in her heart and therefore released into the world, into the, the life of this former guard. Her prayer changed things. Forgiveness was the result. Because when we pray, God in his kindness to us and his kindness towards the world promises that he will hear us and respond. And he'll work in us and in the world to bring about the promises that he has made. He will bring into reality in the here and now the future that is coming. He'll release forgiveness and healing and possibilities and transformation and hope and love and peace. He'll do it because he's powerful and because he loves us. And so the church prays. Prayer is powerful and effective. But before we move on uh, to finish by thinking really practically about how we can start praying and seeing God work, I just want to pause for a moment and kind of address the elephant in the text. Because James states it pretty starkly, doesn't he? Doesn't he? And he says, the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. And you know, prayer does produce wonderful results. And what do we do with certainty that we see like that, but perhaps don't experience? Because we've all prayed, haven't we, and not had an answer to our prayers. Are we doing it wrong? You know, are we wrong? My, my wife, Steph, has uh, type 1 diabetes, and we've been praying for her to receive healing from that for years now. Uh, but Steph still has type 1 diabetes. And so are we doing something wrong? You know, is, is our faith not strong enough? Are we not righteous enough? Why hasn't God healed Steph? Why hasn't God answered your prayer? Unanswered prayer is difficult. And I, I, there's no way I could say everything that needs to be said in just a few moments. It's difficult and it's painful. You know, there, there aren't neat and tidy answers to this difficult question because it's to do with the brokenness and distortion of our world. Things aren't as they should be and so the explanation for that isn't satisfying because it's broken. But I think James hints towards how we can understand it in verse 15 in what he says here. Because he says that our prayers that will be answered are to be, are to be offered, are to be prayed in faith. Now, let's remember, the good news of the gospel is that what matters about our faith is not its quality, but its object. You know, it's not how well we have faith, but in whom we put our faith. And so James isn't telling us here that our prayers don't get answered because our, our faith somehow isn't good enough. Our faith isn't about us, it's about Jesus 
no, what's going on here is that let, let's replace that word faith that we get. We've kind of entangled with so much other stuff with the word trust. Because the point that James is making here is that when we pray, we pray, a Christian prays with trust. We're to pray trusting that we pray every prayer to a loving God and Father who we know, even though we can't see it, is working all things for our good. And so we pray bold, honest prayers, laying out our hearts and our desires. But we do that trusting that the God in whom we pray will sometimes do things in the way we didn't want or in the way that we uh, didn't expect. You know, sometimes he'll withhold things from us. He'll do things differently or just say no. If you felt that way, you're not alone. Jesus had that experience when he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane and he didn't get what he asked for. At least not in the way it seems that he first asked for it. This happens because, not because God doesn't love us, not because he's not at work, not because he's not powerful, but because often, always, God knows better. And he has something better for us. We ask wrongly often, but we do that trusting that God will answer rightly. You know, Steph and I don't know why she hasn't been healed yet, but we know that God is good. We know that her healing is certain and secure, even if we don't get to see it in our lifetimes. We pray that we will. But even if we don't, even if we don't see it in the way we want to see it, we are learning to trust every day and with every prayer that God's answer is better than what our hearts desire right now because God's capacity to love us and his wisdom to answer our requests is greater than ours. He is working all things for good. So we trust him in the uncertainty. Christians pray and Christians pray because it works. Prayer releases God's power and the reality of his kingdom into our world as God hears our prayers and responds in loving power. So as we come in to finish really quickly, how should we pray? And as I said at the beginning, I'm no expert uh, this isn't an area of strength for me. I find this really challenging. Uh, and many of you listening will be much further down the path of this than I am. But uh, in this beginning, basic place that I find myself, I found a few simple things really helpful. And so I just want to offer those to you, uh, a kind of a, a buffet of options that you might choose from and might just help you take a step further down this journey of prayer. So firstly, a couple of really quick basic principles. Uh, Pete Gregg, who's written some amazing books on prayer, which if you find reading helpful, I would recommend them to you. Uh, he's got this uh, simple tip for how we should think about prayer. He says we should keep it simple, keep it real, and keep it up. Now, our prayers don't need to be complicated. We can just bring what we're really thinking and feeling, and we should be honest because God knows us, and so we can bring our true selves to him. 
And the important thing is consistently. Do it little and often. Keep on going. And in our prayers, we should ask God to help us to pray. The great preacher Charles Spurgeon said this, Prayer itself is an art that only the Holy Spirit can teach us. Pray for prayer. Pray until you can really pray. So we should pray, keep it simple, keep it honest, keep it up. We should pray asking for God to help us to pray. And then when we find prayer difficult, we shouldn't do it alone. And again, just a moment of, of honesty. I know that for some of us, praying with other people is really difficult. Uh, we don't like it. We find it uncomfortable. We don't feel confident in ourselves. But as James shows us in this passage, when we don't know how to pray, one of the best things we can do is go to the church and pray together so that we can hold one another and so we do that at Greyfriars by having nights of prayer. We call them Kingdom Come. Uh, the next one is coming up on the 21st of March. It's a Sunday evening in a few weeks time. Would you consider putting it in your calendar and joining us as we learn together how to pray? And finally, when you pray, you don't have to just sit there and come up with it all by yourself. If you don't know how to pray, uh, there are some great apps that you could use, you could download, how to pray, uh, no, Lectio 365, sorry, pray as you go, great uh, resources that will help you to pray. Uh, or here's one that I found really transformative in my life, uh, is praying the Psalms. So perhaps this week you could, every day, one a day, take one Psalm uh, and read it, and as you read it, turn the words of that Psalm into your own prayers. And some of the psalms that you read will feel really relevant to you. Uh, and so you can just pray those words for yourselves. And some of them will feel, really, will feel really foreign and like they don't match you. But you can use those as prompts to pray for someone else that you know those words will uh, be meaningful for. But all of a sudden when we pray the psalms, we have fuel for prayer. We pray God's words back to him. Those are just a few quick ideas and I hope one of them will work for you uh, and if you'd like to know more or, or perhaps find other resources I'd love to help you do email me at john.freeman at greyfriars.org.uk I'd love to help point you towards resources as we together as a church learn how to pray but wherever you are on this journey whatever it is that you are praying for and seeking for God to be at work in perhaps I can pray for you now I can pray that God would call you by his spirit to pray, that he would teach you how to pray. He'd enable you to trust in him and as you pray, to see him at work in the world, to see his kingdom come in Reading, in your communities, in your families, as it is in heaven. So why don't I pray to that end? Lord Jesus Christ, I want to thank you that you hear us when we pray and that because you love us, you work through us and in us. God, thank you that you've given us the dignity and the authority that, that when we come to you in faith, that you hear and respond and that you work in power. And so God, I, I want to pray, ask along with your disciples that you would teach us to pray. God, that you would make us a people of prayer. God, that you'd help us to trust in you 
And that even now, by your spirit, you begin to teach us, you begin to stir within us a desire, a capacity, a focus to be people of prayer. And as we do that, we see your kingdom come and your will done. So Lord Jesus, transform our hearts and work through us. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.